Welcome in. This is volume 20 of Drunk on Ice. We got Mark from uh, from the Fired Up Sports uh, sports Writers. So uh, all, talking all things hockey this morning. So uh, go grab your coffee, your donut, your, your, your Wawa breakfast sandwich. Yeah. Settle in and uh, we'll talk some flyers. I know it's a, it's a sore subject for most right now, but we're going to try to try to dissect the, the, the last couple of weeks that was Mark. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, doing well. Uh, some pretty, did something happen yesterday with the flyers? I, I feel like something happened just, yesterday. Just, just, just little, something like a little just bit, a little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. bit something, something that the, the, I think the entire flyers nation has been waiting for what ended up dropping about, I want to say about 10, 10 30 yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and they fire. Well, like, uh, listen, we'll just jump right into it. They fired Chuck Fletcher. Yep. Um, and I, I can only imagine that the response from the fan base post trade deadline and the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks with the, the Rangers coming in and taking over the stadium and the, the, the notoriety and the publicity that that got on social media, they can say they're not paying attention, but firing Chuck Fletcher after the trade deadline only tells me that someone on some level is dialed in and said, you know, we gotta, we need, we need to give them a pound of flesh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, what's really, um, that was probably the, like the final nail in the coffin for Chuck Fletcher between the trade deadline. And, um, I, I was surprised myself, uh, Don, how, how much publicity that that Rangers game got. I mean, uh, as a, you know, for lifelong Flyers fans that, I mean, that's, that's taboo, you know, that doesn't happen here. That that was, that's something that we are used to doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, With with all the, with all the, 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 the travel fan groups that organize the, the cross country travel for all the, all the major sports. Yeah. Yeah. For that to happen here, and I know it, it was kind of like the 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 best of both worlds for Rangers fans colliding, right? Because they just trade for Kane, and they get their fan base all excited about bringing in a big name, and then that first game that they thought might be his first game is a Flyers game, and then there's this influx of availability of tickets. Yeah. And they're all, they're all within driving distance. Right. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah. you see that it, stuff, uh, other places, you see that stuff in, um, you know, Arizona, you see that stuff in, uh, um, some of these other, like maybe non-traditional hockey markets, but right. Philadelphia and, and, and for it to be the Rangers, I think is, um, is even tougher, you know, a long time, uh, division rival. And, um, you know, I think uh, between that and, and how the, the, the trade deadline was handled, um, I, I don't know that uh, from what I've gathered and what I've read, um, in addition to that was how um, maybe I think maybe the higher ups of the organization didn't really realize uh, going back a few months. I actually heard this on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, OK. Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman talked about that quite a bit. Um, that there was maybe uh, there was maybe some issues there with how the Pride Night was handled. 
uh, Provorov not taking the warm up, um, deciding not to wear the, the the pride jersey. I think he cited religious re- reasons for that. Yeah, and um, I think that there was uh, the the higher ups were surprised by that, and as uh, Jeff Merrick and uh, Elliot Friedman put it uh, on on their show. Uh, was that you don't surprise your bosses. And uh, so I, I think that that was probably the beginning of the end and then how things were handled after that uh, were certainly um, certainly paid a uh, or played a part in um, the Flyers maybe bumping this up in season. Um, yeah, and listen, I, the other part that I find alarming, right, is that if this was kind of brewing in the background and you still left him in charge of operating this trade deadline, that you didn't think to make a move because now, right, they, they fired Chuck Fletcher. Danny Briere is the, you know, interim GM. But it's really just the title at this point because there's not, because the post trade deadline, there's not really much flexibility for him to have his chance to make any moves or his chance to say, you know what, if we're really going to put an effort into trying to get this franchise back to where it has to be, we have to get the guys that are young playing so that we find out who we have as a, as a fan, as a core. Yeah. But also that, you get rid of these guys, like I say, right? Let's yeah, like, you know, JVR, who's got an expiring contract, who is going to walk at the end of the year. Yeah, and you get nothing for him, even yeah. if it was whatever a late mid round pick. I think was uh, what was discussed. Um, you know, there was, uh, and I think this has been this way the last couple of seasons. The trade deadline is always um, now like a lot of teams like to get their business done a week or two out before then. Yeah. And the fact that I think that the Flyers were uh, waiting till the um, waiting till the absolute last minute, (laughs) which felt like the last minute. And I mean, we were talking, I, I mean, the JVR rumor. Uh, I think it was either Darren Drager, one of one of the top insiders, had put out online that you know that the the deal was happening with uh, Detroit, with the Red Wings. Uh, Van right. Riemsdyk was headed to Detroit, and things fell apart. And I mean, this was like in the like literally the last half hour that <laughs> uh, of the deadline, and it was kind of like, I mean, I'm not privy to what happens to the conversations that happened all the weeks prior to that, but it, it, the optics are terrible. Uh, It it looks like you're like, you just punted on the season and just decided that like, ah, yeah. And maybe maybe Chuck came in late that day and yeah. Hey Chuck, we need you over here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey Chuck, the trade deadline is, Actually, today, and it, 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 it almost feels like it's like it's like one of those days where like you wake up super late, you miss the alarm clock, 
and you're like <laughs> scrambling to make up, you know, eight hours of, of time that you missed because you, you slept until noon. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I don't for the life of me understand, right. The, how do you, how as an organization, and that tells me how disconnected the organization is like top, but you know, top down that how disconnected are they, that they're not saying these guys need to get moved. These yeah. guys are expiring contracts. These are guys that we brought in that don't have any value to us after at the end of the season. So we need to get some kind of value for them. Yeah. And I, I just, that to me just sent up the red flag to say like, what is actually happening? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you saw, there was a, there's an interview and then an article with Anthony, Anthony San Filippo, who does a great job covering the flyers who kind of made an inkling into that. This is not the last move that's going to be made that there are some moves that might be higher up with guys that might have some influence within the organization that they might. And I'll uh, kindly ask to step aside that like still be the ambassadors for the team, but no longer be part of that day to day uh, transaction conversation that they yeah. really, because they, since, since Ed Snyder, you know, passed and, and the salary cap came into play, this team has really struggled in managing the roster because before that, let's just be honest, right? Ed Snyder would just spend, there was- he had money to burn and he spent it yeah. and he would just bring in guys and bring in guys and, use that to overcompensate and fix the roster since the salary cap, they don't have that option anymore. Yeah. And they've, of, no, no, uh, no they, they, I was just going to say they've really struggled in that, in that department. Yeah. I, you, you know, it kind of levels uh, the playing field when it comes to um, the hard salary cap and things like that. Um, some of the things that uh, have been discussed by uh, Anthony Sanfilippo and others. Um, it's it's interesting because I we don't know to degree to the degree in which some of the older the old guard uh, uh, Holmgren uh, Clark Bill Barber is involved. Uh, he's you know a lot of people um, which I don't even think. I don't know how much from what I've gathered and what I've understood is that he was kind of like the um, hockey tutor of Dave Scott's. Um, And if he has the, um, the ear of the boss and these guys, these guys are running ideas past him or they're involved or, you know, they're involved to whatever degree, but if you're running them past the guy, who doesn't know if they're good ideas or bad ideas or not. That's a big, this is a step in the right direction. I think, I think Greer's an intelligent guy. Um, He seems to have the respect of the hockey people as a former great player. Uh, He has, uh, he's earned the respect of um, Comcast Spectacor as a, you know, in a, in a business, uh, in a business sense. Uh, he seems to be well re- well regarded in every aspect, in every corner uh, uh, of the organization, which is great. Yeah. 
Um, and it sounds like he's going to be involved in whatever they're doing moving forward, whether he's going to be the general manager, whether they're going to have him as the vice president of hockey ops, which is a, a role that's going to be filled. Chuck held right. both roles, apparently. Yeah, um, and it, might, it might, might not be a bad idea to have multiple voices at the top to be able to bounce an idea off somebody. Sure. And, and having guys that have a clear vision uh, for what this team should look like in the future. And I think with uh, the, to go back to the Scott thing, uh, that that's kind of been my whole, uh, that's been uh, the, the opinion I've been of since uh, this was like, you can have, it doesn't really matter to me if Paul Holmgren's around. I mean, they shouldn't be influencing decisions, obviously, but um if there's significant if the guy that's taking in that information doesn't know if those ideas are good ideas or bad ideas and he's just kind of riffing i i just don't that's still a problem that's still going to be a problem and i don't know if he's there's been talk about you know is scott going to be one of those people is he going to step down and retire if he does um I don't know who would be considered for that role, but uh, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts, and we're going to hear about a lot of different people leading up to throughout the summer. And it's an important summer for the Flyers, uh, just from the hockey, from like the hockey ops side of it. Besides what's going on uh, upstairs, uh, they're going to have a top ten pick, maybe a top five pick. They have to nail this pick. Yeah, fingers crossed so, on that one, right? Like, yeah, and, and it's like there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of other moving parts. We don't even know who's going to be going to the podium to decide who, who is going to who who they're going to select in that, yeah. and it's a really wow. important draft. So, yeah, um, and listen, you know the we can, we can keep our fingers crossed, right? That the the ping pong balls bounce our way, and that you're able to get uh, into that section of that draft at the top end of that draft where you could really get a guy that could be some franchise altering talent. Yeah. Um, but part of me also feels like, do they have the people around the organization to really develop that guy? Like, I know that like, like kind of Bernard seems like a guy that is just going to be an, ex- an immense talent in this league, he's, regardless he's of, yeah. The guy, regardless of who's, you know, quote unquote, guiding him. But, you know, you, you also wonder the way that they've chose to develop talent and how that transpires to, you know, it doesn't surprise me that a guy like Provorov is super frustrated and probably would like to move on, right? Because he's essentially been the only steady hand on that back end that has been reliable and, but he's been there around a merry-go-round of guys that have just come in that aren't really super talented. And you're talking about trying to protect Carter Hart, right? You thought you were bringing in guys. It just never, the guys that they brought in never really translated to what they actually thought it was going to be. Yeah. I, I, and and when it comes to like, I think the roster uh, configuration and, I think John Tortorella has done a, uh, as good of a job as he could have done. I think we talked about that uh, a little bit uh, the last time I was on the show. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, I, I think with uh, when it comes to like the roster configuration part, it, it's and we, we talk a lot about culture and things like that. The culture will fix itself if there's more talent in that room. You know, if, if you start winning some games, uh, guys feel better. Uh, I look at a guy, a, a kid like Joel Farabee, who I think is a part of the Flyers yeah. future. He's had uh, he's he's had he's been downright awful all year and he's recovering from the neck injury. Um, I think that has something to do with the fact that, you know, not having a full summer of of working out and things like that, recovering from the surgery. Um, I think that that uh, affected him and and it's just kind of snowballed from there where maybe he's probably I, I, he's probably fully healthy at this point. But it's been a confidence thing. He's played. He's played poorly most of the year. It starts to snowball a little bit. The coach is on him. There, there's, there's, there's a lot of factors there. Yeah. So, um, like I look at a player like that, but like they're in a position where they really, really need Joel to figure it out because if he doesn't, they don't really have much in way of offensive firepower uh, in the lineup. And I'm just using him as an example. I'm not putting it on. No, 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 goal, absolutely. But it's. Um, you know, I think some of that, uh, some of the things that they go hand in hand, the culture, uh, thing and the winning or trying to build a winning culture. There's only so much of that you can do, uh, before right. you actually start just like the rubber meets the road and you start actually winning. Uh, yeah. And, and I, th- I think there's, this is, this is a start, right? It's a, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a jumping off point for them to potentially, begin to change the trajectory of the franchise right because as, as we speak right there's a there's a, a a silent protest happening down at the uh you know at uh right out right outside the 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 brush street bullies uh down thing down at uh xfinity uh, live yeah right and yeah. the they're they've organized even though right they're not at home today yeah right <laughs> They're they're at a place right where the fans are really getting a chance to voice their opinion, yeah. um, and it's not going unnoticed, which is it's a good start. Yeah. Um. But I I think the the trade deadline super confusing, right? Yeah. So like of, of the of the moves that they made, right? They they move Isaac Radcliffe for essentially future future considerations which is basically saying uh we want somebody we or something we just don't know we, we don't have a clue what we want right now <laughs> yeah um right zach zach McEwen gets moved to to the kings for brendan lemieux right yeah. patrick brown goes to ottawa for a six round pick right not nothing monumental and nothing nothing that i think anybody really thinks thought those guys like just just very confused as to why those guys and and from what i heard the the brendan lemieux thing was like a throw-in yeah that that like they they were on the phone with la in exchange they were literally just going to exchange the fifth round pick and they said while they're having the conversation you know they're talking about possibly having to you know, they're, they're interested in moving Brendan Lemieux in another deal. And they're like, well, we'll just take him. We'll just take him. Like, like, that to me is like, 
is the epitome of the trade deadline for this team right now, which is like, it it felt like just like shit just kind of happened around them. Right. Right. Yeah. I think uh, that was really the, um, again, it, it goes back to just the, um, you know, I, I think fans felt, and um, I have no idea if this is true or not, but I, I know that the fans felt that, you know, Chuck was not in a position in any position. He had lost all of his leverage in uh, like other general managers around the league felt like they could take advantage of him. And um, (laughs) I have no idea how truthful that is or anything like that, but that's, that was the sediment. And it surely felt that way. It looks that way. And it, it, it certainly looked that way. And I, I wonder like, as far as the trade deadline go, uh, went, I think um, we're hearing uh, like the other names, uh, some of the bigger names, the Kevin Hayes thing and all those deals tend to be a little bit more intricate. Like when you're retaining salary and things like that, especially with a guy that has, I believe Hayes has like three years left on his deal or something like that. Um, I would not be surprised if something like that happened in the summertime. Uh, But uh, maybe some of that was like laying the groundwork for for doing so uh making a deal like that um but uh, it was really the um the uh the van reamsdyke thing uh that yeah the other the other parts were kind of like kind of tinkering with the the you know the fringes of the roster um brendan lemieux for example is going to get like a 19 game tryout here although he i believe he's hurt right now yeah um he was going to get um somewhat of a extended look. Uh, he's a free agent after this year. Um, but he does kind of feel redundant in a lineup that needs more talent. They already have Nick Delorier under contract. I right. think Wade Allison's going to be around. Like they have guys that play like that, that heavy style, that, that physical style already. And um, they just need more talent like up front. And it's yeah. just that they played a good game. Like they, the other night they played uh, Carolina who's on a tear right now yeah the, the canes look like they're, they're peaking at the right time they're in it uh they're a um, a really good team they're my pick actually to come out of the eastern conference this year okay. i know everybody's on boston but i i think the canes are going to come out of the east here for for, for uh, the stanley cup uh i love the I, way they... i think if if i look if i just kind of peek ahead that yeah. that that matchup that potential you know eastern conference finals matchup could be you know a seven game back and forth um, it's interesting though. It could also be the that Boston just goes in and just just cleans up too. Just, just like it, yeah, runs rush out over everybody. It's you know, I I just the the way that they've been playing is just kind of wild. Yeah, the only my only uh, worry about the Bruins, I think, at this point, uh, is for as great as they are, and they're 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 just flush with talent. Uh, it's enviable right now it is like really. how, how good they are um but i do worry a little bit about maybe them peaking a little, uh, like a month or two too early where okay. um i love like i i find that the way that carolina plays is a lot more sustainable i think rob Rendemore's the best coach in the league today um i think he's an excellent wow. coach okay um uh, the way he interacts with his players the way he works with his guys um very you know, akin and, to the way he played yeah and he was 
and he was an excellent player. And, you know, um, you look at him today, he looks like he could still play. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of wild. The, the physical um, shape he's in is the, incredible. The, the physical shape he's in, but the, the, his, now, like, now that I sit here and think about it, right, the coaching style that he has is very akin to the way he played. Yeah. Um, and I think it resonates with a lot of players because he was talented, but not top end talent. Yeah. He was a guy that knew his role and made contributions on a roster that had a ton of talent anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think you're right. Like that, that coaching style is really easy to resonate with the players because yeah. you have the, the, the mindset they can get dialed in and be like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So, um, so I think that they're, uh, I'm a really big fan of, of Carolina and um, the Flyers really hung tough with them the other night uh, when they played them. They lost one nothing. I thought Felix Sandstrom played his best game of the season. He yeah. hasn't played a lot, but he played really well. Um, but in games like that, I think like against other teams, I just for as well as they played, I mean, I, I there's there's clearly a cap on on how much you're going to get out of this group. I think John Tortorella has taken them when they're playing well. He's taken them as far as they can go as far as, uh, you know, and, and you're looking at that, right? Like that, that's how it's going to look. You're going to, you're going to have to grind games out two to one uh, or one, nothing in order to beat with some of these top teams. And um, they just, that, that, that's a hard way to play. It's, it's hard to win that way. And um, you know, the, the whole crux of the, the issue, I think is just the, the, the lack of talent. They need high end talent. Yeah. Well, listen, let's take, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll come back, talk a little bit of the, the trade deadline throughout the rest of the, the, the league. Uh, maybe get into some games around the league and then uh, we'll wrap it up. So uh, hang tight, everybody. We're going to be uh, coming back with these quick commercial breaks. Von C. Brewing Company is a 20-barrel, 16,000-square-foot microbrewery with a 2,500-square-foot tasting room, including a spacious outside beer garden in Norristown, PA, in the heart of Montgomery County. The Von C. family is part of the family that started C. Schmidt and Son Brewing in 1860. Stop in Wednesday through Sunday and taste a variety of draft and 16 ounce cans of originally brewed beer and tell them the drunk on broad crew sent you. Bonsi Brewing is located at 1210 Stenbridge Street, Suite 300 in Norristown. Cheers. Team clicks are the only glasses for real sports fans. With interchangeable arms, you can support all of your favorite teams or even make and create custom options as well. These diehard sports fans have realized that sports fans needed something other than face paint to show their love and passion for their teams. Go to teamclicks.com slash DOB and show your love for your hometown team. LaTorrance curated collection of men's and women's watches is a perfect investment that lasts for years to come and fits perfectly with your every outfit and style. Our range of classic watches aren't just a great perfect formal and casual accessory, but a time machine that takes you back to memories. Explore our collection of timeless watches that can reflect your taste, personality, and personal style. 
Our exclusive collection of carefully curated affordable luxury watches is what you need to make a personalized style statement. You can take pride in your prized possession, handing it over to the next generations as your most loved asset that they can also own and display with the same pride. These high quality pieces stand the test of time, giving exceptional value and return on your investment. Those are locked. Dash tourain.com and use code DOB at checkout and get 10% off. If you're looking for unique sports apparel, check out Streaker Sports. They've dug deep into the archives and have brought back some incredible defunct team logos and have even created entire defunct league collections. They also have collections paying homage to sports culture including the Miracle on Ice, Slapshot, Kadishak, the Mighty Ducks, and even have a license with Wiffle Ball and USA Hockey. Only for drunk on broad listeners, use code BROAD at checkout to get 10% off anything at streakersports.com. Again that's 10% off anything at streakersports.com with discount code BROAD. Welcome back. We're back. So, Mark, we left off. We were we were kind of dialing in the, the the moves that the Flyers made and kind of trying to dissect those as best as we could. But around the league, right? There was there were some big names that moved. Um, talk to me about a move that that you like for a team. I thought um one of the real shocking uh, moves and it wasn't the initial move. It was the second move that was made was uh, the Jonathan quick trade okay. uh, that the LA Kings made. Um, sending him to Columbus, I think was the first deal. And then uh, Columbus then flipped him to Vegas. And um, yeah, that was really crazy. Uh, you know, I, Jonathan quicks, one of those guys that I, I, it sounded like from what I read that he was very shocked and not very happy about, about that move. I think he looked like uh, he looked at it as if, um, you know, he was going to be an LA King for life. Right. And uh, you know, you know, what more can you do for an organization? Bring them back two cups. He was fantastic during those runs. And um, wow. yeah, it's... and the shuffle him along to Columbus uh, of all places, uh, yeah. the worst team in the league. Uh, yeah, was... it, it, it almost seems like that they knew maybe Columbus had another move in play. Right. Um, right. But I mean, for him to go from from L.A. to Columbus, where you know, you're essentially shipping him off to the team that has the worst record in the league. Yeah. It did. It didn't make sense. It didn't make a whole lot of sense coming when, when, when that initial move is made now to then flip him to, to Vegas. Yeah. You know, you're, you're at least putting him in a conversation for, you know, a playoff run. Yeah. And the interesting thing is. I think about the deal. One of the reasons why it was uh, one, like just as a, from a fan perspective is that LA and Vegas could run into each other in the playoffs. And if kind of wild, right? Yeah. And if quick is the goalie for Vegas and he plays the Kings in round one or two, I mean, that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. So that was kind of surprising. That, that, that move, the trade deadline day itself was kind of slow. A lot of the big moves came uh, a week or two before, um, it's very, very strange. Uh, I, I think as you mentioned earlier, uh, watching Patrick Kane now in a New York Rangers uniform is, is yeah. very, very, uh, bizarre. Another player I thought was going to be, you know, uh, 
you know, Black Hawk, Black Hawk for life type of thing. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and listen, the, the Rangers, you know, they, they also pick up Tarasenko, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of packing it all in for one, for the, for this, for this run. Um, yeah. You know, so more power to them, right? They, they make the deal, the, the three way deal between them, the Blackhawks and the Coyotes. Um, and then they get the, the, the secondary deal with Tarasenko for the Blues. The, I mean, the way that I look at it, right, it, it seems like the Rangers came out, right, whenever the, the rule of thumb for me with trades is like whoever gets the best guy in the trade at that at that moment, yeah. that, te- that is the team that wins the trade. So, right. like, if you're on trades where you are acquiring Patrick Kane, where you're acquiring Tarasenko, whatever you gave up is really insignificant because the chances of any of those guys – panning out into what Patrick Kane or Tarasenko would be. Yeah. Right. Like you're, you're talking about picks, you're talking about players, but you're not talking about like franchise altering players. You're talking about guys. Yeah. 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 Especially if it's down, um, you know, you're acquiring uh, players who are still of that prospect age. You're still talking, you know, maybe three to five years before they could even potentially be a top six player. Right. Um, or a top four defenseman or whatever it is you acquire in the deal. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think um, speaking of teams like loading up, another one was uh, uh, the Ryan O'Reilly trade that's uh, sent him to Toronto. Right. Uh, and, and, and they look just as deep up front. Um, they do. Uh, and I mean, they, that's kind of their bread and butter these last couple of years is just being like uh, a, a really deep, talented, offensive, you know, offensive juggernaut. Um, but adding uh, O'Reilly in a, in a trade there, I thought was um, a really, really, uh, I mean, he's got that two-way, you know, selkie level game. Yeah. And uh, he's normally in that conversation. So it's like yeah. that when you can add, you know, a guy that's going to play both ends of the ice, especially in the playoffs yeah. where every shift is some, is a shift that could alter the trajectory of the game. I think for me, right. That's a move where again, you got the best guy in that trade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're very, um, you know, uh, with, with O'Reilly, uh, I think have, I mean, he's won before, he won in St. Louis, right? Um, you know, and uh, so he knows what it takes in the in those uh, those tough series. And and in the Atlantic Division, I mean, Toronto's going to have a, a heck of a time again. Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, that's going to be a really, uh, I, I mean, the the battle probably. I mean, more than likely with uh, Tampa Bay is uh, who they're going to have to to right. leapfrog in that that first round and. I feel like this year, although I think people have been saying that for quite a while now about the Leafs, that this is uh, this is the year they'll be able to do it. I think I, uh, Tampa yeah. is for as great as Tampa is. I'm still waiting for that um, for them to run out of steam. I mean, they've played a lot of playoff hockey over the last few years. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say they're 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 deep playoff run, consistently deep playoff runs. Yeah. You have to think that on some level, at some point, it's going to catch up. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've been saying that about them, but uh, they have 
they've proven us wrong. They've proven me wrong every time. I thought last year <laughs> every, was going to be every the year, year, right? Yeah, I thought last year was going to be the year. Uh, turned out not to be that. Um, and and they're a great team too. I mean, to talk about like a a pedigree. Uh, they made that huge uh, trade for uh, Tanner Janot. I think. Um, it was, I think that was before the deadline, but that was uh, they throw a ton of picks at Nashville. And, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. And uh, they were a team, you know. They were getting, uh, you know, Jano plays on the edge, uh, right. physical player, more of a power wing. They already have some guys like that, like with Maroon and stuff. But uh, uh, they're going to be a little bit tougher to play against, I think, with uh, acquiring Jano. And um, you know that that is the Eastern Conference in particular is just so deep. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, you're at, at this point in the schedule, right? You've got. One, two, three. You've got three teams that are already plus on, on the plus side of 90 points, which, yeah. you know, it, it pales in comparison, right, to, you know, between there, there's between the Bruins, right? Between the Maple Leafs and Bruins, it's like 17 points between them yeah. and, and second and, and second place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you, you look down the. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to do the math real quick. This is not a math pod, <laughs> but like the 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 gap between the next seventeen, like between them, the next like eight or seven seven or eight teams, is how far you have to go to find that same point gap. Yeah. So, you know the 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 Bruins, the way that they've kind of elevated their their play over top of the 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 rest of the teams in the Atlantic, is just. Really, really impressive, right? And then you got the the Devils are a team, right? They're they're a team that, as much as I want to give them credit, right? Super envious of the way that they've been able to draft really good talent for the last couple of years, right? They they sucked and were insignificant for a little while, but they hit on a bunch of young guys, and now that's kind of coming to, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of coming to, uh, you know, kind of boiling up to the top where they're. They're playing really well, right? Four points behind the Canes. It's uh, it's really interesting to see that young influx of talent. Yeah, yeah, and, but, it, uh, but it also gives us kind of like a promise of like that's potentially if you suck for a couple of years, you hit on a couple of draft picks, you could essentially turn this around maybe a little bit faster than people think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that, too, uh, with, um, you know, rebuilds in the NHL, I, th- I believe, just like looking at how other teams have done it. Um, you can turn it around in a in a three, four year uh, situ- like situation if you're hitting on those uh, top players, of course. Um, right. And they're, the, the Flyers could have worse years, I think, to be uh, – in the situation they're in because this draft is really deep, uh, especially those top 10, 15 players. Um, we're talking like really, really gifted players, even outside of Bedard. Uh, you know, Adam Fatilli's the the projected, I think, number two pick. I believe right. he goes to University of Michigan, I think. Michigan, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a uber talented player, very gifted. Uh, the Flyers would be lucky to have him as well, even if it wasn't Bedard. That's a pretty good consolation prize, I think. Um, so, um, you know, they're, they're in a situation where, um, 
it's just it's hitting on those picks. It's uh, the Devils are, are it, as you said, it's a very envious situation. Uh, watching Jack Hughes play, um, he's an incredible uh, young player. I feel like the Devils looking ahead for like just this year. I mean, their future outlooks looks outstanding, but um, I feel like they're a little bit uh, they're a little bit too young. Uh, this experience this year will be good for them, I feel. Um, I don't think they're going to get past the Rangers or the Canes. But if they do, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I, th- um, I think they're – they're. how do I say this kindly? I think they're young and naive enough yeah. to not have a thought about what it takes to get there and just play really well. Yeah, I could see that. I, you I know, could totally like, see like that. that. That's something where it's like they, they don't know – that road of not being successful where right. some of those other teams that have kind of faltered, you know, in the first and second round in the last couple of years, this team is kind of young. Like, I think it's funny because I'm looking at the, the, the player profile pictures and right. And every, every dude looks like he's about, he's like about 18 or 19 years old. Not that they are, <laughs> but like the appearance, you can tell that yeah. like most of that roster is young, really young, talented guys, and I just, just it it it, it kind of sucks because it does make me super envious that they they ident they were able to identify that need of changing the trajectory of the roster to be able to get younger and faster and build a team that's going to play really well in this in this league right now. Yeah, and I think one of the things uh, about Jersey too um, was that. Uh, in terms of like rebuilding and things like that, their um, their decision making wasn't just uh, and and this is my hope for for the Flyers. Um, it wasn't just about the draft. The draft was always the most important element. But they went out and they made some moves. They went and got um, Dougie Hamilton on a huge uh, deal. They were yeah. in the conversation. Um, uh, all summer long, I believe uh, their names had come up with the Johnny Goudreau sweepstakes, right? Um, and 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 then you know they didn't get Goudreau, but at the uh, right before the deadline, they acquired Timo Meyer, who's a who's an incredible uh, talent. Right. Wow, yeah. Uh, that was one we didn't mention. Uh, that was a good. That was a great trade for uh, for uh, Jersey. Kind of went under the radar. Yeah, and so. Like acquiring Meyer and, and, and things like that, even though they had an eye on the future, when the team proved that they were, uh, hey, like, you know, we're, we're playing well. And they, the upper management rewarded them for that, for playing well and going out and making some right now moves to, uh, to help push the team to the next level. And, uh, the Flyers have to think about that as well. Yeah, we need we need more talent, absolutely. But if there's a player that that could have that could be had, whether it's free agency or otherwise, and he fits the age bracket for you, and uh, the and and you have the cap space to do it, I'm still on board with the organization going out and acquiring guys that way as well. It just takes a little bit of uh, a little bit of luck, and I think a little bit of courage. Yeah, uh, a little bit, that, a little, a little bit of <laughs> trying to be creative with the salaries, trying to be creative with the moves. Absolutely. Um, I just, I, I think the 
when you build a talent, a young, talented roster, it might give you the flexibility to be able because you're not spending the money on salary. Sure. That you have that flexibility to go out and make moves like the Devils did mm-hmm. to be able to supplement. Right. You, I, I don't think anybody's naive enough to to think that you can build the roster completely internally. And no. I think the point that you make is really good because you're you're talking about how do we supplement this roster as this process is happening. Yeah. So and that's that's my hope for uh the job Briere's doing uh or will will be doing. Uh is that um I think when we look at we kind of look back at uh Fletcher's uh time with the organization, um the first off season I think was really uh was it was a solid one. You know, they went out, they signed Kevin Hayes, uh Radko Gouda, they traded Radko Gudis for Matt Niskanen, uh acquired Justin Braun, Tyler Pitlick. There was some, there was some good, uh, some, some small gems in that, in that, uh, that trade, uh, that summer, uh, where right. they went out and, and made some moves that helped that team at that time. And, um, it was one of those things where, you know, uh, they, the team looked like they were peaking at a good time and then the pandemic happened and yeah. they never really got back on track after that. Yeah. And uh, that kind of leaves us where we are now. Uh, but um, I think with Fletcher, it was very, um, uh, as you mentioned, Don, about the, uh, there was a lack of creativity there when it came to uh, trying to put together a, a, a good roster uh, and a good collection of players. And um, my hope for Briere is that uh, he has a little bit of that creativity that we see around the league yeah. where you know, um, you can build through the draft, but as you said, uh, that is one element that, that can't be the only thing that you do. No. So uh, I think that that's important for them. Now, it, listen, a- anything else around the league? Like, cause I want to touch on something real quick. Like sure. the, the, when, when I look at the overall statistical leaders, right. Mm-hmm. Talk about the year that McDavid is having, because he, he's a guy that like, if they're on and it's hard because right they're they're normally a late night game. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's on, that's a click and stick for me. Like to, yeah. to watch it. I know. And this, and forgive me. I, I I'm almost positive. I think we talked about this last time, but like yeah. it's, it's just impress. It's continue. It, he continues to be a guy that just impresses me mm-hmm. week after week after week. Right. And he's, 20 28 points north of, of dry saddle who's in who's in second place it's ridiculous um i talk often with uh with a lot of my buddies about uh my buddies that are fans of the league too and uh we talk about like when we talk about connor mcdavid i think it's it's like it isn't just the talent level that's so special about him it's the it's the speed at which he does some of the things that he does when he gets ahead of steam. Like, I, I mean, it's easy, way easier said than done, but um, when he starts to like rev it up in the, in the defensive zone and he's got the puck and he's going end to end, which we see him do all the time. And he like just some really good players and some very good, the best league in the world, right? The best hockey league in the world. And he's just slicing and dicing guys through the, he he makes guys look foolish. Yeah. 
and and have have you seen the commercial where they're the the NHL? It's it's one of the NHL commercials where they're they're talking about the the video game hacks that used yeah. to happen with the NHL, right? But they're interspersing the highlights with most most of which I remember is Connor McDavid highlights yeah. <laughs> of him doing exactly what these moves were that were like the video game video game they, they were the video game hacks from like NHL ninety seven <laughs> yeah. Where like you you knew if you got the guy in the right position every time you could score a goal. It didn't matter who how crappy the player was that had the puck. <laughs> but then I'm watching and and it's it, it's amazing to see. But like I'm gonna make a cross sports reference here. Okay. You just talked about how like him getting revved up in that defensive zone and just getting that head of steam and having watched the Sixers Bucks game last mm-hmm. weekend. When you said that, I immediately went to Giannis. Yeah. Right? Because Giannis does the same thing. He can get the ball in the backcourt. And unless you're physically standing in front of him, yeah, he just gets that head of steam, and he, he just gets to the bucket every time yeah. and really takes advantage of that because he knows that that's something based on his size and his speed and his skill level. He's not pulling up and shooting a three because he yeah. knows that that's – not the best part of his game. Yeah. But he he's able like that that head of steam thing is just with when you combine it with his skill level, just really, really incredibly impressive to watch. I think that's a really apt uh like cross sports reference. Uh like watching Giannis because it's like what do you if you're in the lane, if you're standing in the lane, I mean like I, you don't want any part of this guy when he <laughs> Feels a head of steam coming at you. Uh, at I mean, all. I would probably just move out of the way, just let him get his his bucket because uh, he's going to get them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the season McDavid's had has been incredible. Uh, the league's been, you know, the league in general has been a lot of fun this year. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of like, um, uh, the, the game's so fast today and so skilled, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, to, to watch on a nightly basis. You can catch two teams that you have no rooting interest in, no vested interest in, and see a really, really good game. Uh, I think and, that's now where I'm at. Yeah. Right? Because the because I really, to be honest, as much as we're Flyers podcast, I don't have a huge, strong desire to like be dialed in and watch the Flyers. Yeah. But I do like to watch hockey. And I yeah. will watch just... The, the random games that are on are the, the product is significantly better. And it also makes me simultaneously angry at the same time because <laughs> I want to watch my team that way. Yeah. You know, and now having the sports year that we've had with the Phillies and the run that they've had and the Eagles that the run that they had, you know, and you could throw the union in there for their, their, their performance for, in sure. the, for the finals. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm watching this team going, I'm pissed, man. Get it together. I, yeah. I want this because when you look at this town, when the flyers are good, there is nothing better than being down at that arena for a playoff game. That, yeah. that environment is electric. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big part, uh, again, like to, to kind of like just a, more of a blanket kind of statement over all the things that we had discussed. And you talked about earlier, 
the uh, the protest that's going to be happening down at the uh, um, it's one of those things like you know the or uh, the organization has made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of uh, um, damage that's been done in terms of like fracturing their trust with the organ uh, the the fan base, a loyal fan base. Yeah. But um, I've been to a couple games. I've been down to a couple games this year, and um, people are there and they care. It's not. It, they they care and it's very it's disheartening but people aren't necessarily just I, i'm sure there are plenty of people doing that but I, there are people down there that uh are there and and if for no other reason to voice their displeasure and have people um yeah. you know down uh to people coming down to the rink just to be mad uh, about the situation <laughs> Uh, and 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 they have a right to do that, and and, yeah. um, and and they should feel that way, uh, because as you said, um, it does feel like if if you're somebody who who has uh, a strong feels a strong connection to the Flyers, all the excitement that exists in the city, part of it feels like it's missing, yeah, and uh, it's because yeah, it really the Flyers does. are just kind of they're just kind of existing, they're not really they're not really they're in just... anything. <laughs> The, they're in the sports landscape by osmosis. Yeah, yeah. They're just kind much. of there. And it's kind of a good thing um, for if this team is to go undergo more of a uh, a full-on rebuild type of thing. Right. Uh, just looking at the, the, the sports landscape and things like that in the city, it's actually not that bad of a thing for the organization, or they probably don't feel like it is to know right. that the rest of the city is kind of on fire. And yeah. Maybe it gives them a little bit of incentive to be want to want to be part of the party. Yeah, yeah, and I think <laughs> they're, they're the guy with the glasses standing in the corner, <laughs> watching watching everybody else have a great time. Yeah, it was. I think it was. Um, it was either um, the day before the Super Bowl, or it was. I think they played. No, they did. They, they played they Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, they played that they afternoon. Played that, that afternoon. Uh, and uh, so it must have been the day before. Um, I don't know if you had saw that clip online, but uh, John Tortorella had the players. I think it was after practice throwing footballs around on the ice, and uh, okay, and it was kind of like he had said he had made a comment uh, in post about it, and he had said like you know he wanted the kind of the team to feel like you know uh, to to kind of feel the momentum of like the city being behind the birds in this huge run, and um, that was an interesting way to do it, but I thought that that was cool. And, um, no, uh, I like that. So I, I mean, like, uh, because they are a part of that and it it is, um, it it is a, uh, uh, as you said at the beginning of the show with, uh, the Briere, uh, hiring, it is a, it is a step in the right direction and they are, um, we'll have to wait and see what happens next, but, um, there's, um, there's at least something that people feel like, I, I don't know if anybody can really put their finger on uh, if it's, if it's 100% the right choice, but it feels like the right choice to have Briere in that spot uh, at this point in time. Before we go into final thoughts, right. Mm -hmm. Something had to happen. So at the, at the very least you're making a change to see if it's the right move. If it's not, we'll make another change, Right, (laughs) but you, you had to do something. The, sure. to, to continue to just aimlessly drift in the wrong direction 
when everybody else around you knows it's the wrong direction. Right. It's at least comforting to know that they've acknowledged the fact that some kind of change has to happen. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, Mark, we'll go to final thoughts. You got anything, uh, anything going on? Anything, uh, anything you want to talk about on our way out? Nothing much going on for me right now, but uh, the one thing uh, I actually um, wanted to bring up a, a story broke this week. I think it was the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer reported it about the um, uh, about the turf at the uh, at the vet. Did you see this story and uh, its did. connection to um, uh, cancer, brain cancer, one of those things? Brain cancer, and the if I remember correctly, there was like five or six former Phillies. Yeah, that all have the same type of cancer all died from the same strain of that of that disease yeah just... and it, i saw that story and um it was just uh it was very disheartening and uh um you know i i wanted to to kind of bring light to that uh on here uh, with the with the final thoughts and and uh just the um it's just a sad situation all around and um, you know, I, I'm hoping for the best with that. So, uh, hopefully. There's... Yeah. I mean, it, I think, and, and I was, it's ironic cause I was actually going to talk about the same thing. Oh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's sad and disheartening to know that that was one, probably the world's worst playing service. Um, oh. but to know that it's now connected with what it is and, mm. and the traumatic effects that it's had on those people's lives. And listen, there could be other players that passed that we didn't even know that it, it it's connected to. Um, right. So I think the idea that you're, that, you know, the, the articles published so that it brings it to light, that it brings about the conversation. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we always, you know, the, the idea that the the player safety is paramount to anything, right? Mm-hmm. And to to keep that in mind moving forward, I think is is a great place to to kind of keep in line with the idea that you, you want as much. We we know that these guys are human, and we yeah. want them to be safe. And I think that no, knowing that that was going on. And knowing that now knowing the details kind of, you know, 20, 30 years removed, it's just, it kind of sucks because it's, you know, for most of us, that's a place where we grew up. Yeah. You know, in in, in the sports world, we just grew up there. And to know that it had such dramatic effects on those players just kind of sucks. Yeah. You're, you're, you're heroes, right? Like I, I, many a times I've been down there as a kid for Phil's games and stuff. But I remember being, uh, uh, being young, going to the vet and thinking like, just like, just looking at out into the field and it just, it was, the turf was gross. I mean, as far it was as, bad. yeah, it was it was, bad. I actually played a game there in eighth grade. Did you really? Yeah. If I ate for, for football in eighth grade, but it was no like, kidding. yeah, we all had to wear sneakers cause you know, we couldn't wear cleats on the turf cause none yeah. of the cleats worked. And, um, but I remember it feeling like I was playing in a parking lot. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I was only, I was like 14. So I didn't yeah. really know the difference, but like <laughs> it was, uh, it was not great. Yeah. 
Yeah, not great to say the least. Mark, do me a favor on your way out. Just give them, give people the details. Let them know where they can find your articles, find your stuff, and uh... sure. Um, uh, all my, uh, I do a lot of. Um, I'm on Twitter. All of my stories you can find at uh, fireitupsports.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ramos Reports. I'm on Instagram at Ramos Reports One. I believe it. it I have a one on there. You'll see, like we have a little logo that my uh, my girlfriend Emily made for me. Nice. Um, yeah. So uh, you could see all my stuff there. I post there as well. And uh, yeah, that's where all my stuff's at. Very cool. Well, <laughs> listen, you know, the we'll, we'll be, we'll, we're actually going to be back uh, again tomorrow. We got some guys coming on. We got another fight, another fired up uh, sports writer coming on tomorrow for some Phillies conversation. We got awesome. uh, the guys from the, the, the drunk Phils fans. Facebook page. We got those guys coming on to talk about some exciting stuff that they're doing this season. So uh on that note, Philly, it's been real. Peace. Later. This is the Broad Street Line, where Philly sports fans leave all of their sports hot takes. Call 267-405-3062 and show us your passion for Philly sports. Don't forget to tune in every Wednesday at 8.30 when we listen to your live reactions to the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat.